Thank you, Eric, for those kind words. I, uh, I, as Eric mentioned, I moved up here in 2020, sorry, 2012, so I was uh, just under 22 and have been here for the last 10 years or so and moved here as a new believer, uh, got plugged into the church pretty early. I actually moved here to serve in this church and serve the young adults and I was, a- I was able to do that and um, yeah, to be able to share the word of God with you is just an absolute pleasure. Um, I am unworthy and I'll, I uh, grow, I think I stopped crying at like 13 and then I got saved and God was like, you're gonna cry. So uh, hopefully I don't shed tears today. I probably will. Um, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with my masculinity. Um, but if you guys don't mind rise, uh, rising for the word of God, we're going to be reading out of Matthew 19. So if you don't have a Bible, please feel free to raise your hand. Uh, ben, will get one to you. See over there, we'll get one to you as well. Thank you, gentlemen. We're going to be in Matthew 19, verse 13. And the word of God says, sorry, it's going to be verse 16. Now behold, one came and said to him, Jesus, good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? So he said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments He said to him, which ones? Jesus said, you shall not commit murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man said to him, Jesus, all these things I have kept from my youth, what do I still lack? Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, go, sell what you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And let's just skip down to verse 29. Um, And Jesus says, And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your word, God. Jesus, I thank you so much for who you are, for, uh, for your salvation, for your love. Father, I just pray for this time this morning, Lord. It's just so encouraging to be able to open your word freely, God. I pray that we would have ears to hear. I pray that uh, you would fill my mouth with your words, God. I pray that you wouldn't, I wouldn't be a hindrance to your word, God. And I just do continue to, we want to pray for our pastor, Pastor Steve, Lord. I pray that this would, this would be a time of rest, Lord. We know that rest is a gift from you, God. Uh, so I pray that as he's down there serving with his his bride, Stephanie, Lord, I pray that they would be able to enjoy that time. They would be used, but they will also be uh, filled with rest, God. Father, we love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So I've had the privilege of teaching, or I had the privilege of teaching 
this chapter in the Medford Bible study. There was a, a mention of the Medford Bible study earlier today. Um, I know most of us are on break for the summer. Highly want to encourage you to get plugged into some, some type of home fellowship or home community. There's a, I think the majority of my growth I can contribute to living with, with Eric, Pastor Eric there, uh, doing life with other guys, um, and then also Bible studies, being plugged in outside of Sunday. Uh, so I... Like I said, I had the privilege, Dave Kim, who leads that Bible study, uh, asked me to teach Matthew 19, uh, not this past Friday, but the Friday before. And I've been studying for a teaching, because I, I always, I think I told you guys this before, I keep a notes journal in here with all my, like when I have like a godly thought or a God thought that I think it's from the Lord. I remember reading a, a D.L. Moody book and back in the day where they would keep like a little pocket, a little pocket book and like they would write down this godly thoughts. And Think about how, many, how often do we have these thoughts, right? Things that come to us from the Lord, and it's like, oh, I wish I could capture that. It's, the irony is that we can right away. Uh, so I'm always thinking about uh, what is the Lord trying to speak to me, and if, uh, specifically when I'm teaching, when, I'm, when I know that he's calling me to, to lead, uh, uh, give a message. And I knew that this will probably, and I'll, I'll get to this in a while, this will probably be one, one of the last times I get a chance to teach with you guys. And uh, here are the tears. And... So I knew that. I was like, okay, well, Lord, I really, what do you want me to teach Calvary, right? What do you want, what, what word do you have for this church, right? If I, if I never get to teach again, what is one thing I can share? And, oh, man, this sucks. I'm sorry. And the Lord was very clear, encouragement, right? Encouragement. I've been so encouraged throughout the years uh, by this church, right? That is fueled growth. That has protected me from, the, from sin. Um, there's actually, I think it's Hebrews 3. We can bring this up. Hebrews 3.13 says, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today. Not tomorrow, not in the future, not I'll give them a call next week. The word of God says, encourage one another daily as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And I can I can fully, fully uh, stand here and be a witness to that verse, right? I've had so many people that have encouraged me throughout the years, that have poured into me, um, that when times are hard, they would encourage me to continue to follow Jesus. They would encourage me in my giftings, encourage me in my callings. And this is what we're called to do as a body of Christ, right? When I say a body of Christ, I just mean a church, a gathering of people that God has called for himself. And so I thought about this verse, and I came up with a, a, a teaching around this verse, right? I came up with a message, and then Dave Kim asked me to teach Matthew 19. And I was teaching this, and I was like, wow, this, in, this, in this chapter, there is a, there's a verse that Pastor Steve calls the, the truest verse in Matthew 19, the truest verse uh, in the Bible, uh, I 100% agree with this. This is actually the verse that led me to buy my plane ticket to Boston over 10 years ago, right? When I was praying about coming to Boston, there was a verse here in this chapter that I just said, all right, Lord, I'm going to take you at your word. I know what you're calling me to do, and I'm going to do it, right? And that's verse 29, and we'll get to it in a minute. So that brings us... Uh, so let me backtrack. So when I thought about encouraging, I thought about there's, there's no better encouragement that I can give than to encourage you to follow Jesus, right? And to continue to do so and to continue to walk in your giftings and continue to chase after the one who loves your soul, right? So I, when I was studying for the rich young ruler, that's often what this passage is called, um, 
I realized, man, how, how heartbreaking it is, this guy's story. Um, and if I can encourage anyone not to be like this, to learn from this guy, but also to take Jesus at his word. When he's calling you to do something, you do it. Thank you. So let's read. Let's go, let's go to, to, to John 19, 16. So all, there's three of the four gospels that mention this, right? Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all three gospels mention that this, this man, this, this rich young ruler, all mention that he is rich. Luke uses a Greek word that calls him extremely rich. Luke also mentions that he's a ruler or a leader, right? So, and Matthew calls him young. So we put all these words together and we get the rich young ruler, right? So let's, let's see what he asks. What is this rich young ruler? What does he do, right? So let's read in verse 16. Now behold, one came and said to him, good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? Right? So this is a fair question. Right? He, he comes to Jesus uh, and he says, good teacher, you, what, what may I do? What must I do to, inher- to, to inherit eternal life? Right? And this question tells us two things about this man. One, I think we have, but maybe not. I don't know what I sent the projection team, so you have to bear with me. So one is, it tells us, oh, am I still on? I might have, I might have lost. Oh, did I? I can't. Did I, did I break it? Sorry, Steve. I could just use the regular mic if this is uh, not working. I want someone to mute it while I'm doing this for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, John. Sound engineer doesn't get enough credit. Um, so, the, so this story tells us two things, right? His question gives us an insight. It gives us uh, an insight on two really characteristics of this guy, right? It tells us that he feels like something is missing. He, he recognizes that he has amassed all of this wealth. He's done all of these things, but something's still missing, right? And the second is that he believes that gaining eternal life depends on what he does, right? That salvation is something that he can earn or deserve based on his actions. And if we're honest with ourselves, we have to admit that these same two things uh, have been things that we have, most of us have struggled with uh, either today or struggling with today or we have in the past, right? We all tend to believe that we have to be good in order to be saved, to, to, go to, to, to go to heaven. And we also feel that we are never good enough. We struggle with this. We're never, we, ne- we feel like we're never good enough. And, uh, and we know that we, this, 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 this feeling that we have to be good. So let's read Jesus' response to this man's question. Let's read verse 17. And so it says, So he said, Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. 
So Jesus answers his question here, right? He, he really does answer this question of what do I do to get, what must I do? What, can, what, what else do I have to do to get into heaven? Jesus says, why do you call me good? Do you recognize that no, nobody's good. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. None of us are good. Now, we, I, feel, I do believe that we know what's good because I do believe that we have the law of God written on our hearts. That's what the Bible says, right? We, most of us, I think that we know what's good and what's not good, right? But I wouldn't say that we are good, right? That we are good. And Jesus really addresses the heart uh, in his Sermon on the Mount. And I don't think this young man was there. And when I say young man, he's probably 20 to 40, right? So he may be a little bit older, but this, this, this man probably wasn't there because Jesus goes on and says, well, and he's going to heart check him, right? He's going to use the commandments, which they're, they're kind of a tutor to, to really check our heart. And he's going to heart check him. And he's going to, well, follow the commandments. And he says to him, he says to Jesus, this man says to Jesus, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man said to him, All these things I've kept from my youth, what do I still lack? I think it's, it's important to recognize that this man does truly believe that he is good. Right? He said, I've done all of these good things. These things that you're telling me are good, I've done them. These commandments, I've followed them. Right? And I don't think he was there on the Sermon on the Mount because Jesus says it's a heart problem. I'm sorry, I haven't seen this woman in two weeks. You look so, <laughs> welcome back. Makes me so happy. Um, sorry, it's two weeks, a long time. Um, but Jesus really does go directly to the heart. He knows what this man is lacking. He knows what he's missing, right? He does think that there's a, there's a he thinks that he can obtain eternal life by being good. We're in Matthew 19, by the way. Um, he does believe that he can inherit eternal life by being good. And Jesus is really gonna really attack that, that theory, right? That philosophy that you can earn your way into heaven. You can be good enough, right? And this young man says, well, I've done all these commandments. I've followed these, right? And I don't think Jesus gives these, these, these lists of commandments to tell us that this is how we get into heaven. I think uh, that would be foolish if we take the rest of the Bible. We'll see that that's not what he's doing here. He's using these these commandments to really point out why this man is not good, right? Why he doesn't deserve heaven, right? He, uh, for some of us, we know that we're not good and we know that we need a savior. For others, we have to, Jesus has to really point out, you're not good. You're not a good person. And he'll point out in your life what you love more than him. And that's what he does in this young man's life. So when he goes over all these things, you should not murder, you should not commit adultery. A lot of these things are in the outwards, right? So this guy can be telling the truth, like, outwardly, Jesus, I've kept all these things, right? I've done, nobody's ever caught me doing these things. I've, I may have had these thoughts, but that's why I don't think he was there for the Sermon on the Mount, because we know that those thoughts, if you hate, if you think anger towards somebody, you commit uh, murder with your heart. If you look at another person with lust, you've committed adultery in your heart. So Jesus is saying, okay, well, he clearly didn't hear that, but there is one that he leaves for the end, right, that Jesus points right to, and what is that? You shall love your neighbor as yourself, right? What does it mean to love your neighbor as yourself? I don't think that this is a trick question, right? It means to love your neighbor as yourself, 
right? We are pretty selfish beings. I'm sorry, maybe some of you guys don't want to hear that this morning. Uh, I know that me, myself, I, inherently, I, I do care a lot about my, myself, my health, my wealth, my wife, my, my, you know, if God blesses us with kids, we'll care about those things. And Jesus is saying, you better love your neighbor just as much as you love yourself, right? That is a commandment. That's a call. And for this guy, let's see how he responds to this, to this. He says to him in verse 20, all these things I've kept from my youth, what do I still lack? Jesus says, hmm, if you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. So Jesus addresses one, right? One that this young man realizes, oh man, I'm not good. And he actually proves that he, there is an idol, there's something in his heart that he cares more about than he does following God, right? There's this, and what is it, right? What is it? Somebody yell it. Possessions, money, wealth, right? He puts this wealth and he's like, man, this is, uh, you want me to give up everything and follow you? And he's really counting the cost. And I really love Pastor Eric early on. He's, he was very big in my walk. You count the cost, right? Count, what does it mean to follow Jesus? Count the cost. We'll talk about what you get, right? But count the cost. Jesus may call you to give up everything. When Jesus was calling me uh, to follow him, it was here over 12 years ago. I was living in Vegas at the time. And there was a single guy in his mid to late 40s who was a mis uh, missionary to China. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's what it looks like to follow you? Like, I have to move to China and be a missionary and maybe never get married? I, I want to be married, right? I, 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 I like living in the United States. And I, real, I, didn't follow, I didn't choose to follow Jesus that day because I realized, wow, he wants my life, right? Jesus wants your life. I'm not sure if you understand that, Calvary Chapel. He doesn't want today. He doesn't want your Sunday morning. He doesn't want your Tuesday evening. He wants your life, right? Following him isn't this one-time thing. I think there were, a, and I'm sorry for translation. I know I'm speaking fast. Um, I'm super grateful for them. I, I put slow down in my notes over and over again, um, and it rarely works. But I, when I think about following Jesus, one, it's the greatest decision one can ever make. But two, I do believe that people can observe Jesus, right? And we know that from just reading his word, there were a lot of people that were observing Jesus, right? They, they may have followed from afar. They watched him do miracles. It was almost like they were watching a show, but they weren't actually following. Soon as Jesus did something that they disagreed with, soon as he uh, said something that they disagree with, they left, right? And I think that is so common today. Right? If Jesus is not telling us what we want to hear, how quick are we to turn around? Right? If Jesus is not giving you that spouse right away, how fast are you running to maybe sin? Or if Jesus is not giving you wealth right away, how fast are you turning to something else? Right? And there is this beauty, one, to encourage one another daily because that verse, if we can bring it back up, that verse, there's so much power in this verse because we know that it, we know that it protects one from being hardened by sin's deceitfulness, forgetting Jesus' promises to us, forgetting who Jesus is. If we encourage one another daily, you don't know what a text may do. 
You don't know what a call may do. You don't know what a simple, I'm thinking about you, man, I'm praying for you. Hey, man, how's the daughter? How's the wife? You know, I'm saying, man, because obviously I encourage you to do it for the, the same sex. Um, but when I think about doing these things, I don't, you guys don't know what encouragement may be doing, right? The Bible is so clear about encouraging one another. So I hope that you guys are doing that. I, I pray that you guys are doing that. I pray that you meet with somebody weekly to pray. There is a diff- that is an absolute difference maker in one's life, right? Having a person in your life that can really call out highlights, your goodness, your great qualities, the things that God has blessed you with, right? And that encouragement goes, it protects us from, the, from sin's deceitfulness. But for this man, when he knew what Jesus was calling him to do, he didn't want to, he, he weighed his cost and he said this wasn't worth it. He went away sorrowful. And this is heartbreaking. I think this is the saddest part of the story. Is that Jesus called this man, right? He called this man. He said, come, follow me, right? It wasn't like some, some person and that may never, you know, we, we always try to, we, you, if you've evangelized, you probably hear, heard, what about the person that never gets to hear about Jesus, I don't, I don't know. I know that this person right here was called by Jesus and he said it wasn't worth it. It wasn't worth me selling my possessions. And that is just such a, a heart check for, for those who do have wealth, right? Money itself is not the root of all evil. I need to be very clear about that, right? But we do see in 1 Timothy 6.10, what is the root of all evil? The love of money, right? For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil, and some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs, right? So this actually, entail, this, this Bible verse, if you look at it, it says it's after somebody was saved. So somebody could have chosen to follow Jesus in the love of money, right? This idea that I love my wealth. I love my possessions. I love this idea of getting a little bit more. This is creeped in, right? And pushed out Jesus. And I think there's three things that wealth, uh, we have to be careful with wealth on, right? The first being, wealth can foster a false sense of security. I don't know if this guy thought that he could possibly purchase his way one day, right? Or he might have thought he was good. I know that in ancient Israel, if God blessed, if you had wealth, uh, they be- some, there were teachers that said that you have found favor in God's eyes, right? And maybe this guy was thinking that. Maybe there's this, this false security. The second being, wealth can give you a false sense of righteousness. And that's like, oh, I have money, right? So I clearly am doing something right. Or my voice matters more than the person that doesn't have money, right? And that's pure pride, right? That's what got Satan kicked out of heaven, right? Was this, this pride, this I am better, I am like God, I am better because of what I have done. And Jesus was really attacking this guy's heart on this issue. And the third is that wealth tends to make us selfish, always wanting more. I think of uh, J.D. Rockefeller. And some of you may know this story. J.D. Rockefeller is known as, um, he's often regarded as one of the richest individuals in American, or rather the richest individual in American business and economic history, right? For uh, his period of time, how much wealth he had compared to how much wealth America had, uh, he's considered to have, like he's considered to be the wealthiest man in our, in our American history. And he was once asked, how much money is enough? And he answered, does anybody know his answer? 
just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. This, this guy's answer was just a little bit more, right? I just, I just want a little bit more. Now, I don't know J.D. Rockefeller's heart, but from this quote, it sounds like money was the master he served and put his trust in, right? Imagine if we had that same, if J.D. Rockefeller had that same heart for God, right? God, desi- God doesn't desire us to love him like that. He loves, desires us to love him more than that. Like how much Jesus is enough? Just, just more, just, just, just more, just a little bit more. And the power, the beauty about Jesus is that the more you seek him, the more you search him, the more you try to get him, the more you get of him, the more you obtain him, right? Psalms, I love Psalm 61. Psalm 61 says, oh God, you are my God. Early I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Why? Because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise you. Thus I bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. When you, seek jo- when you follow Jesus, when you seek Jesus, he's not gonna feed you scraps or junk food. Jesus is not out here giving us, uh, he's not giving us drops of water and torching us. He is, it says from, it's living water. We are overwhelmed with that. It says he feeds us great food, marrow and fatness. I worked in restaurants for a year. Bone marrow is a thing, right? This idea of this rich, good, decadent food. That's what Jesus fills our souls with, right? Not money. Money can't do that. Wealth can't do that. Love, I promise you right now, your spouse probably can't do that either, right? Your kids definitely can't do that. I, if you listen to my last sermon on that, kids don't make sense to me economically, but it's okay. They don't, but, but there's a reason why God gives your, you a piece of your, his heart for them. But when, when I read this rich young ruler, right, and he's deciding to, to choose something, he's leaving sorrowful because he hears the call of God, right? He hears what God's asking him to do. He says, come, follow me. That's the universal call. He's telling everybody in this room, there is no excuse. Jesus is saying, come, follow me, right? Some of you have made that decision. Some of you have not. Some of you have made that decision and decided to go back the other way, right? But Jesus' call is still the same. Come, follow me, right? He, make, he puts that decision in your hands. You, that is something that you have to deal with you and Jesus on, right? And for this rich young ruler, it's a heartbreaker because he left with junk. He left with his soul not being satisfied. I think about that song, my soul will be satisfied in you alone. Um, Jesus left with his soul not satisfied. Sorry, sorry, this young man left with his soul not satisfied because of the way that he responded to Jesus and his call to follow him. Truly the saddest part of that story. So let's continue to read. So after Jesus says this, this young man walks away, sorrowful, he's sad. He realizes what, he, what he's being called to do. Jesus says, I want your life. And then in verse 23, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Surely I say to you that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. 
And again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were glad, greatly astonished, saying, who then could be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said to them, with men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. So his disciples are seeing this interaction with this young man. They probably see the amount of wealth that he has. He's a ruler. He's a leader in his community. He's probably Jewish, so they probably know him. And like I said back, like I said, in ancient Israel, there's this idea that if you have wealth, you're, 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 you're almost in a superior standing before the Lord, right? That was kind of this, this, this thought. And when Jesus says, it is hard, it is impossible for a rich man, and I will say any man, to get in the kingdom of God. More so for, will, I think, for the rich because of those three points. There's this false security that it brings and all of these other things. But I think that the point of what Jesus is trying to say, it is impossible for a man to get saved. And they recognize this. They're like, well, if this man can't get saved, like he's followed the rules that you said to follow. We see the last one that he didn't love his neighbor, but he followed most of the rules and, and he's wealthy. And he's like, if he can't be saved, then, then who can Right? And Jesus says, you're right. Nobody. Going back to the beginning, no one is good. No one can earn their way into heaven. There isn't this idea that uh, I'm in finance and I think about like debits and credits, right? And you want your debits to outweigh your credits. That's this idea, right? You want the money that you bring in to, to be more than the money that you spend. And if it's not, there's a problem there. But there's not this theme in the kingdom of God where, and I know that there's some religions that say this, that your goods need to outweigh your bads and then you will have a positive net worth in heaven, right? That's not true. That is not true. Your goods, you're not good, right? There's this false lie in America that we are good. Some of us know that we're not good. Others maybe bought this lie that we think we're good. And some of us may try to try to take the goodness that we have because of Jesus and maybe even try to own that and walk around boastful, forgetting that the only reason that we've been made righteous is because of his blood. So when Jesus says this, he says, with men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. When he's talking about salvation, what does that mean? If no one can earn it, what does it mean? If no one is good but God, then how can one earn or get into heaven. Forget the earn part. How? Because we know that that's not possible. How does one get into heaven? Many of us know that question. What's the answer? Need God to be saved. I don't have an answer for this, so I'm gonna keep, I know the answer, but uh, I'm just going to keep asking. What is that? What is it? How, do, how does one in, inherit eternal life? The blood of Christ, right? So we read in James... I think it's James, that if we're called to follow the law, did I give you this one, Caillou? I might not have. Praise God. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty, guilty of breaking all of it, right? So when Jesus points to the fact that this guy has broken one of the, the many rules, right? He only broke one. He says, well, we learn in James that you need to keep all of it, right? And we know that none of us are gonna be able to keep all of it. But there was one who was able to keep all of it, and it was God. I think that in the, going back to the beginning when this man, when Jesus approaches this man and he says, 
Well, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, and that is God. Hint, hint, you're on the right track. Jesus didn't say, I'm not good. He wanted him to recognize that the, what he sees is God, right? That God incarnate, God, he, this man, Jesus is good, and he's gonna live a perfect life, right? But the consequence of breaking God's rules, breaking, of sinning, of doing dirt against others, and I can think about a million and one things I've done in my life, the consequence for me, for you, of sin is death, right? That's the, that's the God is a, he is the, uh, he is the law enforcement agent, he is the jury, but he's also the, the scapegoat, he's this guy that steps in and takes your punishment, right? So I think about being in a courtroom, and I think about this analogy often, right? And we're guilty, right? We go before the, we go before the judge who is the Lord, and it's like we broke into his house, we stole things from his house, he watched us do it, right? And now we're in front of him, guilty as can be, right? And you can go through the commandments, you can go through whatever. I can tell you right now, you've committed some type of sin. I'm sorry, you're not good. And he says, God, God, the, God the judge says, all right, you're clearly guilty. Consequence of sin uh, is death. Um, but we have this perfect man that comes in and says, God, Father, it's, it's my father here. Uh, I, I'm gonna take his punishment, right? He had to not commit crimes in order for him to take that punishment, right? He had to be guiltless to take on the guilt. It couldn't be a dirty, sinful person taking on the guilt of, this, of the guilty. That would be guilty for guilty. That's not, that, that wouldn't wipe out the sins. What you had was a perfect man taking on the sins of me, of you, of your brother, of your sister, of the world, Right, taking on our sins so that we can be right, made right before God. That's what this man gave up. And, and I, th- I, I, don't know if the, I don't know if the apostles understand this yet. Right? I don't know if this clicks. What we do know is that Peter has called him Christ. Right? Peter has acknowledged him as Christ, uh, which is Messiah. And they heard his teachings. Right? But let's just read their, let's read their response after uh, Jesus says this is impossible. Right? Then Peter answered in verse 27. Then Peter answered and said to him, See, we have left all and followed you. Therefore, what shall we have? I, was, I had a chance to, I had a feeling I was going to go through this, and uh, I went through this with Sunday school last week. And I was like, What do you guys think about this? And like, what do you think about this question? Right? I think there's certain people who are like, Man, how dare Peter ask that question? Right? Like, what do you get? You're following Christ. You acknowledge him as Christ. What do you mean, what do you get? I think it's a fair question. I absolutely love Peter. Peter constantly has his foot in his mouth. I think that is a fair question. Right? He's experienced the love of God, the love of Jesus. He, he experienced miracles and teachings. But when he's, he, we, they just got done talking about internal life. Peter's putting this together. He's like, wait a minute. You told him he needs to leave everything. I've left everything. I've left everything to follow you. Jesus, what do I I get? And I absolutely love the realness of Peter because some of us may have this question and never bring it to Jesus. Jesus does not condemn Peter here. He does not say, how dare you, Peter? Do you not listen to what I've been saying? Do you not, have I not loved you well? Do you not know where I'm going? Peter doesn't, rather, Jesus doesn't do any of that. And he easily could have. What does Jesus do? 
Let's read. It says in verse 28, So Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, that in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory in heaven, um, you who have followed me, you will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. I've heard years ago that you can't outgive God. If you give up everything to follow God, if God is calling you to give up something, I promise you you can't outgive, you can't outgive him. I don't care if that's wealth, money. I don't care if that's uh, a, a desire or a relationship or uh, a career, whatever it is. I promise you there is no outgiving God there is no life like the one God has for you. Now, I think of this verse and I think about what it means to me, right? I think of, I listened to this song last night because um, when I was thinking about it, it's Chris Tomlin's song. Um, where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. When you move, I'll move. I will follow you. Who you love, I'll love. How you serve, I'll serve. In this life, I'll lose, I'll follow you. Yeah. So, when I think about this verse, 11 years ago, I, uh, maybe a little bit more than that now, I gave my life to the Lord. It's not, the Lord snatched me up. I was clearly in need of a savior. I realized that I wasn't good. God poked holes at my life uh, and, and he opened my eyes and I realized I wasn't good and I realized I wasn't right. And I was seeking, how do I inherit eternal life? How do I go to heaven, not hell, right? I, I, I had to figure that out so I sought Jesus. I figured out, I was trying to figure out who Jesus was. I started reading the Bible in Genesis. I called my uncle Mike, Mike McMillan, who many of you know. And I tell him, Unc, man, I, I really, like, I, 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 I want to come to church with you. I'm trying to do all the right things. What am I missing? He says, Jordan, great things, uh, but you need to get things right with Jesus. And I was raised Catholic, and I'm like, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, I get that. This is frustrating. What do you mean get things right with Jesus? I got things right with Jesus. And, but I clearly, like this, like this rich young ruler, there was like, what else? What else am I missing? Right? There was something that I was missing. And Jesus was, when I came to Boston and I saw this missionary completely sold out for, for Jesus, his life belonged to Jesus, I realized Jesus was calling me to do the same. I then was overwhelmed by the love of Jesus when I realized that he formed my life. He positioned me to be in this place and he positions all of you to be in this place here now to where he is saying, I love you, come follow me. My life, the life that I have for you is better than the rags that you have, the filthy rags that you've created. Right? I, I was overwhelmed by the love of Jesus. I uh, went back to Vegas because I was visiting here, gave my life to Jesus. He snatched me up, he really did. And then it was time, and then I felt this call to come back to Boston. And at the time, my parents were facing a divorce, and I really was like, I was staying, I moved back in with my parents. I had my own house at the time, but I moved back in with my parents to be a, a light in their home. And um, I felt this call to Boston, and I really knew that in Matthew, I believe it's 10, Jesus says, those who love father or mother more than me are not worthy of me, and those who don't pick up their cross and follow after me are not worthy of me, right? This man didn't... 
pick up his cross, meaning that he, didn't, he wasn't willing to follow Jesus at all costs, right? Blindly, just follow him. He wasn't willing to do that and he wasn't worthy of Jesus, right? So I, so I read that and I still wrestled. I still wrestled. I'm like, Lord, I know what you're calling me to do. You're calling me to, I, I've chosen to follow you, but you're calling me to follow you, not just to have, like, not this one time and say I am a Christian, but you're calling me to follow you with my life. You're calling me to sell everything I have, my car, give my dog to my grandmother, give my house, like, give all these things away. You're calling me to do that and move to a place where I'm somewhat, like, unknown. I don't know too many people there. And when I got to Matthew, I remember I was in Matthew 10, so it took a couple days for me to, to finally make this decision because I was going through Matthew in my devotion. I get to this verse, and Jesus says, and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands, I think you can add, or jobs or money or all of these things. If those who have done that for my name's sake, not, for some trying, to, not trying to do this to to earn God's favor, but doing it because you truly believe that God's calling you to do it. You will receive a hundredfold in Calvary Chapel in the city. I promise you that is the truest verse in the Bible. I have received a hundredfold. I was questioning God's goodness. I'm like, Lord, I want to get married. Y'all remember, I was in this room. I was in this room on a Sunday night thinking, this man is single, 40-something years old. That's, I don't want that life. And then I realized, I don't care. My life is garbage. What do I mean I don't want that life? So I got to that point not knowing that that same night, I'm living in Vegas 3,000 miles away. The wife that he had for me just happened to be in the room here in Boston the same night that I realized what I had to be called, what God was calling me to do. I was questioning God's goodness, his faithfulness to me, the things, the life that he had for me. I was questioning, is this really good? Is this, do you, I, are you really gonna give me good things? Are you gonna give me marrow? Are you gonna feed me good things? Or the life that you have for me, is it just full of junk? I promise you, it is not full of junk. It is, it, you will receive a hundredfold for, for following Jesus now into eternity. You will receive a hundredfold. So that leads me to say this. When I think about where you go, I'll go. Uh, most of you guys know this. Um, I thought this would be a good time to announce it. So just like I felt called here to Boston, I feel like the Lord is calling my wife and I to Florida. I have received a hundredfold here in Boston and I would be foolish not to follow him to somewhere else he's calling me to go. Now, the beauty is that this relationships that you build are eternal relationships, right? These are eternal relationships, you follow, we all are following our Savior together, right? For those that know the Lord, those who have committed to following him, we are all doing that together, and I pray that we would encourage one another daily. But I'm telling you right now, those who, those who have committed to doing so, can, they, they, they can adhere to and attest to this verse, that this is the truest verse in the Bible. For some, you may not receive a hundredfold into to heaven, but you have this sweet relationship with your Savior, you have the sweet relationship with the lover of your soul that will give you life and feed you good things and instead of robbing you and stealing these, your, your joy like, like, like fake idols will do. So as I close, and the worship team, feel free to come up. I'm gonna ask a few things, right? There'll be people to pray. If you've been asked to pray, please come up. 
there are, I've learned so much from this rich young ruler. Can I have a Kleenex, Guillermo? Sorry, guys. I told you, I, something happened when I got saved. God said, you're going to be, you'll be a crier. But um, I've learned so much, and I hope that you guys have learned so much from this, this passage today. I've learned that Jesus is calling everyone here, right? I don't know what that means to you. I don't know if you're following him. I don't know if you made that decision. But I'm going to ask you, are you currently following Jesus? Have you made that initial decision to do that? Have you heard his call? Have you done that? Have you done that business with the Lord and said, I don't know what this takes, Lord, Jesus, but I'm going to follow you. I don't know. What, I don't care what you're asking. My life is r- filthy rags compared to this beautiful life that you have for me. If you haven't done that, I'm going to ask you to come up and pray. Pray with somebody up here. Talk to them. Be real. Is there something that Jesus is clearly telling you to give up? Right? For this rich young ruler, thank you so much. For this rich young ruler, he was clearly telling him to give up something that was in the way of him making the decision to follow him. And like 1 Timothy said, I think that we can, as believers, I think that that is something that can happen after we give our lives to Jesus too, right? So this isn't for somebody that hasn't given their lives to Christ. Maybe it is, but this is specifically to those who have given their lives to Christ. Is there something that Jesus is calling you to give up, right? Is there something that's getting in your way, whether it be sin or an idol, that's getting in your way of following your Savior, from enjoying the richness and fatness and drinking the good drinks that he has and filling your soul with. And the last one is, are you questioning God's goodness? Right? I think about this rich young ruler. I think about myself. Right? I question God's goodness. And I'm telling you right now, there is, you cannot outgive God. You will receive a hundredfold God's life for you, the, the life that he has for you is so much better than uh, anything you can imagine. So if any of those topics or anything else that you want to come up, prayer, want prayer for, whether it be a, a family member or some of the things we discussed today, there'll be people to pray. Thank you.